We've been uh, working our way through uh, this, this uh, book called Core 52, and I left mine down there. I'm a mess today. Um, this is Core 52. They're in the, it's in the lobby under the uh, TV screen, and it's like a devotional book. If you've been here, you've heard the spiel. Uh, 52 topics, four pages, four or five pages per week, one topic a week, and the idea is at the end of the year, you've been through most of the major topics in the scriptures. And so um, some additional readings, some life application questions, uh, things like that for each topic. And today's topic is unity. <clears throat> so uh, let's start talking about unity <clears throat> by, uh, and I had the, the tweet on the screen, um, that occurred during the pandemic, which was, you know, there was a lot of fractures in society throughout the pandemic, a lot of differences of opinion about things, if you didn't notice. Uh, but then there were these moments in the pandemic uh, where, where it was like, yay, human beings, like where, where people did some great things and organizations did some great things to come together. And so one such thing was this tweet from Burger King, early pandemic, who encouraged uh, uh, their viewership, their followers, to continue to go to McDonald's as well. And so here's the tweet. We never thought we would ask you to do this. Just as we never imagined we would ask you to order from KFC, Subway, Five Guys, Taco Bell, and other independent food outlets, too numerous to mention here. In short, order from any of our sister food chains. Uh, restaurants employing thousands of staff really need your support at the moment. So if you want to help, keep treating yourself to tasty meals through home delivery, uh, takeaway food, takeout food or drive-through, getting a Whopper is always the best, which I totally agree with. But ordering a Big Mac is also not such a bad thing. Uh, so that was, that. you know, and let me just read that again. Getting the Whopper is always best, but ordering a Big Mac is also not such a bad thing. That could practically be a Bible verse on its own. <laughs> How many Big Mac? How many Whopper? See, I, I, yeah, and yet McDonald's, like, just way more sales than Burger King. But anyway, all right, I'm not up here, you know, to direct you to Burger King. So I don't begin to believe that um, that, that was just, like, purest of motives. I know that, you know, pandemic, there's a race to look like the good guys, right? Like there's, there's not, that was a little bit of PR there to, to look good in the public eye. Uh, but it was still nice to see companies and, and people uh, doing things a little, little extra to try to find and, and protect and bring about unity. And that happened uh, throughout the pandemic, throughout a very difficult, divisive time. Now, um, when it comes to divisiveness, obviously the opposite of unity, uh, it's one of the most destructive forces to any organization or relationship. I think there's, there's like something deep within us that, that can, can quickly uh, agree with that, that divisiveness is one of the most destructive forces. When, whenever the us-them mentality creeps its way into anything, 
anything, uh, whether it be a, you know, a, a football team or a church or, or whatever, w- whenever you get an us versus them thing going, that is a recipe for disaster and often the beginning of the end in marriages, churches, countries, organizations, us, them, divisiveness, recipe for disaster. Now, let me say this. <coughs> Things are good at Polaris, okay? Because usually when a pastor gets up and says, we're going to talk about unity today, it means they're being run out of the church. Um, like, like if I'm with a group of pastors and, and one of them says that they're preparing a unity sermon, it's like, oh, dude, sorry. Um, but I promise you that this just was, this is one of the core 52 topics, and um, it's been on the schedule for five months, and so this isn't like even a preemptive strike. But I believe in um, Satan. I believe that's my bias. I, I, I believe that there, are, that, that there is um, personified evil, uh, darkness, and it's intentional. I believe in Satan and all of his works and the intentionality of that. And Jesus said the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And if you're trying to kill, steal, and destroy, um, uh, divisiveness seems to be one of uh, Satan's uh, favorite tools, favorite strategies, favorite schemes. And so the way I uh, approach my life is, I believe that if there is a very powerful darkness at work that is intentional in how it he is trying to destroy me, you, us, our church, whatever, then I better be intentional about guarding against that. And uh, if for no other reason, divisiveness is so dangerous, and Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy, then I better be intentional, we better be intentional about protecting our unity. Because while we enjoy as a church, we have enjoyed a long season of strong unity. And, you know, as far as I know, there's nothing working against that. Um, Actively, we can know in our own lives, in our marriages, and at Polaris Christian Church, that Satan can very quickly come up with something to crack that unity. So just with that in mind, I want to walk through a few different scriptures today that talk about the incredible importance of, of unity with each other, unity in marriage, unity in whatever, just, just unity in general, but especially as it relates to um, um, unity among followers of Jesus, okay? So, uh, let's, I'm going to start with John 17, and I'm going to invite you to grab a blue Bible in front of you, please, and turn to John 17, which is on page 1001, and while you turn there, I'll just tell you a little bit about the moment here. Jesus is about to be uh, arrested and led away to be crucified. Um, this, is his, this is quite literally his last moments 
um, with his disciples, and uh, he is like, he's going to be out of their lives physically. Now, he's always with them, but, but they're not going to have the same face-to-face relationship with Jesus. And so um, he's, got this, he's got this movement that he started, and uh, this, just, this is just a very intense, very intimate moment in Scripture. <clears throat> and as Jesus thinks through the future of this, uh, of this movement, he says this, and he's praying. Okay, this is his prayer for his followers thinking about life after his time with them here on earth. Okay, so I'm going to start in verse 20, 1720. I do not ask for these only, for these disciples he's with only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. So, Jesus is ready to hand over the keys to the movement, to the men and women who followed him, just a handful. And as he thinks about this, and as he thinks about the future of his movement and, um, and, and all of us, because he says, not only for them, but all who would believe through them. So he's also talking to us today through this prayer. <clears throat> and the thing he prays for above all else is unity. He prayed for Polaris Christian Church. He prayed for his early Christians. He prayed for every Christian, every one of his followers who would ever live. And he prayed first and foremost for unity. We'll talk about some of the implications of that, but first I just want to kind of walk through um, the, the, some of the implications. I mean, there's, there's just, you could talk for a long, 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 long time about everything in, in those few verses. Um, first and foremost, we see uh, the, the centrality of unity in the makeup of God. And what I mean by that is the, the doctrine of the Trinity is one of the most confusing, difficult doctrines. Uh, it's just it's tough for the mind to, to grasp. But you really see this uh, emphasis in Scripture of, of the threeness of God and the oneness of God. And as you look back, especially through um, Celtic Christian thought, there was ancient heavy emphasis on the threeness of God and the oneness of God. And, and by that I mean like even in that scripture you see you got Jesus there and he's not talking to himself, he's praying to uh, God the Father. Now there are other moments in scripture like at the baptism of Jesus where you see um, Jesus is standing in the water, the Son of God, uh, God the Son, and, and, then, and then you have the Father who is speaking from from heaven down to his son in this moment. And then you have the Holy Spirit descending in, in a form like a dove onto Jesus in the water. And so you have three distinct beings of God. 
And, and Scripture calls all three distinct beings, yet all three God, and yet Jesus says we are, we are one. May they be one as we are on I and them, and as you are in me, and I am in you. And like there's this, there's this connectivity. There's a oneness, a unity that makes up the very essence of God. It's a divine mystery, but it's there all through the New Testament and all through early Christian thought and obsession over the threeness of God bound in perfect unity. And Jesus alludes to this kind of Trinitarian oneness in this prayer, and he says, God, Father, May they, all of us, be to each other like he and the Father are, uh, just, just deeply, deeply connected. Now, I find very significant the thought that this is like Jesus last moment there thinking about his disciples like he's leaving them on a walking talking face to face level and this is like his last prayer before the cross for these early christians and for the future of his movement and the one thing he prays for is unity he didn't pray for their protection he didn't pray for their marriages. Uh, he didn't pray for their doctrine. All those things are uh, very important. And I'm sure all those things mattered deeply to him. But the one thing he prayed for above all else was for our unity. And I think that, that all of us, if we follow Jesus, <clears throat> that means that we actually care about what he thought, about what he said, about what he taught. We need to give some real um, time and energy to this idea that above all else, above doctrine, above politics, Jesus prayed for unity for his followers. May they be one. As you and I, Father, are one. Now, uh, there's this, uh, I told you guys a few weeks ago about this um, one-minute pause app and John Eldridge and some exercises that he's come up with and, and mental and, and otherwise to just kind of restore your soul. And he, he gives this imagery that I found very uh, fascinating. Uh, so he said, and go ahead and, and please join me. He said, put your hands together like the prayer emoji. Okay? That's... Um, uh, that's intimacy, okay? That's, that's, you know, you got face-to-face -face intimacy. And then do the old, this is the church, just this the steeple thing where you like, like um, only not, not that. Put your hand, because that, that was like that. Never mind, I'm riffing here. Um, collapse your fingers around each other. Okay, that's unity. The idea of the intertwined fingers wrapped around, uh, intermeshed, tangled together. That's unity. And when you look at the scriptures, you see intimacy, but Jesus prays for beyond the, the unity. And you, you look at your fingers when they're wrapped around like that. And that's his vision for us and him.
Like, it's very important that we see God and ourselves wrapped in that kind of unity, but then that we see each other and pursue each other with that level of unity. And that's costly. And any kind of us versus them, you can't have that intertwined unity when there's a a lot of us versus them going on. And I look at this past season of life, particularly among American Christians, and I have watched, and I'm certainly, I've been just as guilty, I've watched unity, the number one thing that Jesus prayed for. I know he wants the other stuff too, but the number one thing was unity. And I've watched unity become far second to other values. I mean, I have watched Christians, and I'm, again, I'm certainly a part of this, set unity aside for politics, set unity aside to try to save America, set unity aside over uh, masks and no masks and, and how could you act like this. And, and I, I've just, we have all seen Christians set unity aside while we've run hard after other kinds of things. And so this has not been, we all know this, this has not been a season where followers of Jesus have pursued unity First and foremost, we have pursued many other things with far more intensity than we have unity. And we're not doing very well because of it. So, let me move on to another passage of Scripture. This is Ephesians 4. We're going to kind of see uh, the anatomy of unity. And I'm going to move really quick here because i got another thing that I want to I do. Um, Ephesians 4. And we're going to go with verse 2. Well, let me, I'm going to start with verse 1, and I'm just going to go because we don't have time. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have called. What's that manner? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope. So, with all humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. With all eagerness, we all know what it means to be eager for something, Eagerly pursue unity, and that's going to take gentleness, and that's going to take patience, right? Eagerly pursue unity. So when you come up with all those things that divide us, which are all out there, we still have common goals. We still have a common faith. We still have a common Lord. Eagerly pursue unity. Now, one more. 
This is Romans, and I think after all the divisiveness that has happened, uh, we need a season to run hard after Romans 14. I'm going to start with verse 3. I'll just start with one, 14.1. This is on page 1050. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person uh, eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will uphold him. He will be upheld, for the Lord will uh, is able to make him stand. Now, um, I'm going to ask our elders and their wives to come up here for a minute while I just explain this real quick thing to you. Who are you to judge the servant of another? This was Paul's battle cry uh, for um, for the early Christians who were caught up in this division over uh, meat sacrificed to idols. And that some Christians were saying, uh, and this was a huge um, faction in the early church, some Christians were saying, how could you ever eat meat sacrificed to an idol? That's idolatry. How could a Christian think like that? And then other Christians were, why wouldn't you? It's just a hunk of meat and it's just a hunk of metal. Why would you give any credence to an idol? How could any Christian think like that? And Paul said, who are you to judge the servant of another? Leave it up to God. And so, this past season of life, I have heard Christians say, how could a Christian ever vote for a Democrat? How could a Christian ever vote for Trump? How could a Christian not wear a mask? How could a Christian cower to a virus? And what we're doing is we're judging the servant of another, and even walking away from the church altogether, <coughs> setting unity secondary to these other things. And I'm not saying that those things aren't important and that we can't, you know, question things in our mind, but I have watched, I've watched that same kind of thing happen. And, and Paul just says, hey, set that aside. Let God judge. You pursue unity. All right, so I want to real quick shift gears a little bit. And uh, in the Psalms, it talks about God's blessing flowing because of the unity of the elders. And so uh, at Polaris, we have enjoyed a great season of God's blessing and a great season of unity. So these are our elders and their wives, who are just as important. It's all kind of, uh, as far as I'm concerned, one board <coughs> and and at Polaris, the elders oversee Polaris. They set policies. Um, they protect. Uh, and, and the way Polaris works is essentially um, I report to the elder board and then um, manage the staff um, uh, according to the policies that they set. And that's how Polaris is protected. But I don't have them up on stage enough. And that's largely because they don't demand um, to be up, up front guys. And so um, I just wanted this opportunity for you guys, if you don't know them, to, uh, to get to see them. So let's start with uh, Mark uh, Simonitis and Christine. Mark is our elder chair and has been so for, I think, uh, 13 years, been on, on our board for 13 glorious years. 
And uh, Mark, if you could just take a minute with Christine and talk about um, uh, maybe what you're most proud of uh, at Polaris. Well, she's not going to say anything, so. <laughs> it's all on, <laughs> it's okay. all on me. Fair and enough. I get the microphone. That's weird. Uh, well, a couple things. Uh, first off, uh, the question is what am I most proud of? in two reasons. We've got an elder board, but we also have the church itself. And if I could say what I'm most proud of of the church is how we stayed the course. Now, there were some dark times at Polaris. Excuse my voice. This is from last night, so I sound a little Demi Moorish, I guess. Um, but uh, that we stayed the course. Uh, there were some dark times, and, and the church was very confident in the leadership of uh, the church as well as they were in God's leadership and they could feel that there was a presence here and there was a Polaris family that needed to be followed. And uh, that's what happened. And a lot of people didn't feel that and they left and they're not here. But I'm just so proud of the way the church came together as a family. And you're talking about unity and the, the, the people that stayed united and the strength from that and from God's leadership has put us where we are today. And I think God, as you mentioned, Alex, uh, you can't outgive God. And uh, because of that unity, I think he gave us what we have here in this church, um, the generosity of our church, and the people that are here. And as far as the elder board, the first thing I wanted to clear up is, I don't know what you guys think about when you think about an elder board and you're talking about how we make decisions. I see people looking at us like we're, we're sitting at this boardroom table with our suits on, and we've got all our files open, and we're <laughs> tapping away on computers. We are the most unprofessional professionals that you could ever imagine. The first 10 minutes of every elder meeting is just how we can bust each other's chops and find out how we can just make fun of each other until we get into what's going on. And then we get to the meat of the matter, and these guys just have a wealth of knowledge. Uh, nobody's higher than another person. And even though we may disagree at times, we realize that we talk through it, and then we come to a decision we think is best for the church, and we always leave with it's going to be in God's hands. This is what we think is going to happen, but let's let things roll out. We're going to roll with this and then see where we go from there. So these guys are just great, and I'm just proud to be a part of the elder board with them. No suits, just hey dudes. Yeah. Which, by the way, are those hey dudes? Okay. Away with you. All right, we're going to be looking for another elder, so if any of you are in a... <laughs> so, let's talk about the whizzes. Uh, Larry and Patty Wisniewski, how has uh, being a part of the elder board uh, been for you guys, just the experience in general? Um, well, I, I remember when I was uh, turning 60, um, I, I prayed to the Lord. I said, uh, Father, um, I'm ready to serve as I always have been, and you've always led me. And I've trusted you through my education, through my employment, through my marriage. And once I said that prayer, it was within a week, I got a call from Alex saying, hey, uh, we're thinking, would you like to become an elder? And uh, that really floored me. I said, Lord, you're very prompt. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, when I left, I don't remember what I said in that conversation, but I walked away and I I remember thinking in my mind that uh, this is another step in faith that to move forward, and, and I felt very unworthy of the role. But at the same token, I knew that there were going to be others on the board that were going to be with me, and um, they were going to be part of the process. So it was going to be, and I didn't know Alex was talking about unity today, but that was truly what was in the back of my mind, that there were going to be three of us, and 
we were all going to be praying for the same thing and, and for God's direction. And, and he's given it to us. And I've been very grateful for the time that I've been around these Christian men. So, Excellent. Patty, any? Don't, you don't have to. I just, I just don't want to leave you hanging if you. Well, uh, no. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Really, um, one thing: is there a weight limit on these chairs? No, I, I mean I'm just saying. I think you're safe. <laughs> um, uh, let's talk about the Wentz's, Larry and Debbie Wentz, um, uh, the senators of Polaris, just stately. Aren't they stately? Don't they just look very stately? Um, so, talk about uh, what you're most excited about at Polaris? Well, I'm truly most excited about just, and Mark kind of already said it, the way we've, as a family, as a church, uh, just stayed the course with the, the plan that uh, God the Father laid out for us, uh, gave us our purpose, and even through all the ups and downs at that time, uh, we have um, stayed focused on what his plan is in all the things we've accomplished to his glory. I mean, you saw half the church get up and walk out when the youth group got up and walked out. Uh, what David's doing, what uh, Marcus is doing with his ministry here. Um, you know, it goes on and on and on, all the things. You've got the, the um, love pure. I mean, that's, um, that's unbelievable. How could you not? We'll have a smile? video update next week, by the way, for love Great. pure. Yeah. Um, that, about that. The, the um, men's ministry that's going on at the uh, well, men's center downtown. Um, and it's endless, and I know I'm going to upset somebody because I left something out, but there's so many things, and, and I guess the biggest thing that I'm pleased about is that coming regularly here, you don't understand unless you're actively involved in it. There are so many good things going on behind the scenes um, that bring this church together unity-wise. Um, for those of you that have had a chance to feel the power of the ladies' ministry that does the praying and does meals and things like that. It's unbelievable, all of the things that are behind the scenes that go on. Uh, it's just, un it's unbelievable, and, there's, and it's, all to his, it's all to his glory. Well, he stole all my words, so I guess this is when us ladies thank all the elders for the upcoming Hawaii trip you've allowed us at that, but we... <laughs> I guess that's not really going to happen, is it? <laughs> I am just blessed to come here every week and get rejuvenated. You know, it's just it's a wonderful feeling to, to walk in and to hear the message and just to be set back on track and just feel very fulfilled every day by all the ministries that go on. There is a lot that goes on outside these four walls, which is wonderful, and just as much that goes inside. And it's through Alex, your great leadership, and all those underneath, we truly thank you and appreciate everything that goes on. Thank you. Well, we certainly appreciate you guys. And your uh, years of service. Also, you know, I could say the same thing about, I mean, we really are a, a very united group. And then, um, uh, you know, to that, I would say, uh, I see Kathy Beebe over there. Kathy, give a wave so that I'm going to make sure everybody sees you. Yeah. 
Um, uh, Kathy is just an incredible leader and essentially functions like an executive pastor here in that she um, oversees most of the staff and, and, and uh, most of the, the leaders of ministry areas report to her. And uh, I trust Cass Kathy with um, uh, so many, I mean, most of the decisions that get made um, uh, somehow connect with, with, with Kathy. Um, she also is the, the, the administrator of, of Rise and Shine Preschool, a preschool that, that she largely, and she's going to hate me for saying this, that she largely built from zero to like 150 kids and still going strong. So, um, and, th and that's the other thing is that most of our staff, uh, and this I'll just close with this thought. I mean, you're talking Marcus, you're talking Dave, you're talking Kathy, Kathy Skladani over there. Um, like, uh, 13 years, 17 years, 18, what are you, Kathy? Uh, something like that. Just, just uh, I mean, we, we keep staff. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, I can't get rid of them. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, and it's just because there's just, it is rare to find unity like we see here and have enjoyed here. And so I say that because pray for it, protect it. Um, we have an enemy who, you know, doesn't take very long for, for someone who's constantly scheming um, and has been scheming for thousands of years to, to create cracks and things like that. And so we're going to keep pushing forward, and I appreciate the unity from all of you because part of the reason we have this is because you guys aren't, like, trying to create a bunch of, of waves all the time. So uh, we appreciate that. So, all right, well, let's just stand, and we'll close with prayer then. Hey, Gene, do you want to come up and pray for us? Sure he does. Gene, um, when it comes to, yeah. So um, I, I'm going to get you all weepy before you even grab the mic. Um, seriously, in 2009, um, uh, this guy here uh, worked to fight for and create unity almost from nothing and um, has been a central force uh, behind the unity that we have enjoyed. So we appreciate that, and uh, would love for you to pray for that uh, for us for the future. So, Father, it, it is a joy to be able to share in that unity that, that, uh, that you prayed that we would have. And, uh, and so, Father, you've blessed us in many ways, um, and, and certainly in, uh, with, that, uh, uh, with that spirit of unity. And so thank you, Father for that blessing. We pray that it would continue to guide us and that it would lead us. We pray, Father, that you would focus our attention always on your son, Jesus. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen.